Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Maybe because of the pressure uh, that is happening at that time. Uh, Maybe they weren't fully grounded in the truth. Uh, But because of the pressure that comes, they're actually going to deny their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, The second thing that Paul says is going to happen before Jesus Christ returns is that the man, uh, the Bible here, you're going to see in a minute, the man of lawlessness is going to be revealed. Who is the man of lawlessness? It's the man of sin. Um, A lot of people uh, will call this the Antichrist. Okay, what is Antichrist? Anything that's against the message of Jesus, anything that's against the work of Jesus, it's Antichrist. And Paul says that that, uh, whether it be a world system, whether it be a specific person, that that person, that system is going to be exposed for what it is, and then when Jesus returns, he's going to destroy it. And so uh, Paul is saying, hey guys, don't give in to false teachings. Here's what's going to happen before Christ actually returns. Some people are going to turn away from their faith. And others are going to see the destruction of the man of lawlessness, okay? So we see this. And then, uh, and then Paul goes on and he encourages all of those that have accepted Jesus, he encourages them to hold to the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth that had been taught to them. So as we read through it this morning, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, as we read through it today, you'll see these three thoughts uh, begin to come out as Paul writes this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind 
or alarmed either by a spirit or a spoken word. So whether it's a spirit that's coming to distract you or deter you or discourage you, or whether it's somebody else bringing another message, don't be alarmed. By word or by letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. That's those that have accepted Jesus and then those that turn away from the faith. And the man of lawlessness or the man of sin is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called good or object of worship, God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do not... Uh, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. In other words, hey, look, it's being held back by the power of God. It will be revealed in time, but God's holding him back for now. Verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now, I want you to highlight that in your mind. The mystery of lawlessness. Look, there is a man of lawlessness that's going to come. And there is a system of lawlessness that's going to come. But I want you to know something, church. Lawlessness, the mystery of it, is already at work. It's already happening. Only he who knows or who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. That's a powerful verse right there. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. What's the Bible saying? The Bible is saying this. Uh, be careful of lawlessness. It's a spirit of lawlessness, but there's going to be a system of lawlessness set up. And you also got to be careful because it's going to come with false signs and wonders to try to uh, distract and detour the believers and try to draw them away. Verse 10. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth or the gospel, the word of God, and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, so far up to this point, this is kind of a downer passage, right? If you're getting this letter, you accepted Jesus, you're one of the earliest ones that have established the very first church, and you're already discouraged a little bit because Paul, Timothy, and Silas, the ones that established the church, they've left you, they had to leave because they were under persecution, now they left, and guess who's under persecution? We are, the ones that said yes to their message, and now he's writing his second letter to try to encourage us, and he's encouraging us by telling us, hey guys, it's going to get worse. Not, not really the most encouraging passage so far, but here's where it gets really good, okay? And this is the part that I want you to hold on to. This is the part I want you to highlight in your mind. Uh, because as you do, you're going to see that we that have received the truth of God, we that have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, now we don't need to worry about the lawless one. We don't need to worry about his work and his activity. We just need to hold on to the truth and continue to look for the second coming of Jesus. Verse 13, but we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and believe in the truth. To this, he called you through our gospel, the preaching of the word, so that you may obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish them in every good work and word. Let me go back to this this verse right here, verse 15. So then, brothers, stand firm, hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. What's Paul saying there? Paul's saying there is a system of lawlessness that's coming. It's going to produce something really bad. But here's what you have to do, church. Church, I want you to hold on to the things that I taught you, the words, the gospel, the truth in our text, the Bible. I want you to hold on to this as your law, as your rule of thumb, as your guideline, and as you do, man, lawlessness won't have any way in in you, okay? If I could simplify it, Paul's saying this, hey guys, before we play the game, here's the rule book, read it, understand the rules, know how to play the game, and it's going to be really fun. And you don't have to worry about anything. Are you with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is absolutely amazing. God, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would take this portion of what was a letter that we now know as the book of 2 Thessalonians, that you would take this, God, and and you would teach us something today, that you would instruct us. I pray that all of us in this place would leave with a greater understanding of your word and knowing what we need to hold on to uh, so that we won't be overcome with lawlessness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. As I mentioned earlier in the service, uh, my wife and I and our kids, uh, we went away on one last getaway uh, before school starts tomorrow. And, uh, man, we, they're, they're starting a new school, and so we sat down with the teacher right before we went on vacation. And uh, you know what they did for us? They sat us down, and they went through all of the rules and regulations of the school, how the school works, how it operates, what they have to do, times they need to be there. They showed us this whole itinerary, the books we need to purchase, all this stuff. And the reason they did that for us is so that we would have a successful year. Well, we went on on vacation then. We are gone for like five or six days. And uh, I am a gamer. I love games. Now, when I say gamer, I'm I'm an old school gamer, okay? Now, I know when I say gamer, most of you are like, yeah, dude. And you got your little whatever controller out. And you're staring at the television, you know, till 3 a.m. in the morning. Come on, somebody. Who's out there? You know who I'm talking about. I came to realize something not too long ago that it's not just guys that are gamers, but there's girls out there. They're gamers. And, uh, and they, one raised their hand right there. And, you know, they'll be up and they'll walk into work all tired because they stayed up. Now, I'm an old school gamer. Come on, Monopoly, Yahtzee, Uno, Skitbo, okay? Old school gamer. I love games. You can ask my wife. Like, if we could do game night every night at my house, we would do game night every night at my house. I just love it. Uh, I'm a little bit on the competitive side. And uh, my wife knows that. And uh, so when she wins, listen, you look at her and you might think she's, you know, meek, mild, beautiful, angelic glow about her. When she wins, man, she is vicious. <laughs> and not just to her husband. She gets in my nine-year-old's face and she's like, I won, I won. And she is vicious. She, she covers it up, but... Man, she is vicious. But we love games in our house because I love games and my wife loves games. My kids now love games. And, and here's the thing. When you, are a, when you are a family, does anybody families out there love games? You know what I'm talking about? And I'm not talking about Wii, Nintendo, Sega. Sega's out, isn't it? That's like old school. Um, whatever they are nowadays. Um, I, I used to have the Atari. 
I used to have the Atari that was a box about this big with a dial here and a dial here. And it had three games on it. And they were virtually all the same. It was a line that moved up and down and hit a square bouncing back and forth, right? But, uh, man, we, we love games in my house. And so because of that, my kids love games. And so now because of that, everything becomes a game. It doesn't matter if it's cleaning your room time. It's a game. Matter of fact, if it's not a game, the girls' rooms don't get clean. Uh, if it's doing the dishes, it doesn't matter what it is. If we take two cars to church, which happens often, it's a game to get back. Anybody ever played pole position before? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about? But we play real pole position. My little nine-year-old will call my wife and say, you want to race? True. And so we'll, you know, with, within the context and guidelines of the speed limit, plus or minus 10 to 15 miles an hour. But we play pole position. So everything is a game. So we're away on vacation. And a little while ago, I invented this game. Yes, I did. I'll take credit for it. Called Tips. And, and what we do with tips is we take this, this big uh, uh, beach ball and we tip it. I know, brilliant, right? And it's called tips, right? And we tip it, and as you're tipping, yeah, you have to be in the pool, though, okay? So you're in the pool, and you're tipping, and as you're tipping the ball back and forth, um, uh, you, you have to hit it. If you hit it too far and it goes in the water, you get a T, and then if you get a T-I-P-S, um, you, you line up on the wall, and we all get to chuck the ball at your face. It's awesome. <laughs> True. It's, it's, that's the funnest part, right, It's chucking the ball. And so my daughters are sitting there, you know, my wife is just vicious again. She just winds up. You know, she knocked one of our kids out this week, but not really. But I tried to share this game with my kids. Like, hey, girls, get in the pool. We're going to tip the ball back and forth. You get TIPS, you're out. And they're like, ah, okay. And we start playing the game, and they have no clue what we're doing. Because why? I didn't take time to explain the rules that I had made up and maybe continue to make up as I play the game. Okay? But I didn't take time to, to, to explain the rules to them. And so they're tipping and it's in the water. And we're like, you got a tee. And they're like, what? Why? Line up. Throw the ball to their face. What are you doing? You know? And they're freaking out. And pretty soon now, they're, they're arguing with one another. They're fighting with one another. They're bickering. They're crying. They're like, we don't want to play this dumb game anymore. And they're literally going at each other. Why are they going at each other? Are they fighting? They're going at each other and fighting because we never laid out the rules to the game. And if you don't lay out the rules to the game, it might be fun for about a minute. But after that, ladies and gentlemen, man, all havoc breaks loose, especially if you have children. But let's be honest, some of the competitive 30, 45, 45 50, 60, 70-year-olds in here, my mom's competitive. I got it from somewhere. All of a sudden now you're at each other and you're arguing and nothing is fun. Why? Because there were no rules or regulations set out. And because of that, this game is stupid. And then I get hurt because I invented it. This is what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about lawlessness. What is lawlessness? Lawlessness is simply this. It doesn't mean just that there are no laws. What lawlessness means is there are rules, there are laws, but I'm choosing to play by my own set of laws. I'm not going to play by that. Now, I don't like that. I'm going to play by this, which, by the way, some of our daughters have tried that too, even after we establish the, the rules. And when that happens, ladies and gentlemen, when people come and they say, forget that, I'm going to do it this way, I'm going to operate this way, man, it wreaks havoc in the game. And Paul is saying this, a spirit of lawlessness, even though things have been established, if, if, if the spirit of lawlessness comes... It's going to wreak havoc. And Paul warns against this. He says, hey guys, the lawless one, the one that goes against everything that is godly, the one that goes against 
everything that is biblical, the one that goes against the rules and the mandate and, and the thing that I set out for you. He's going to come, and the reason he's going to come is because he wants to create havoc. He wants to create chaos. He wants to create disorder because if he can do that, life ain't fun anymore. Are you with me? Paul warns against that, but then he breaks it down and he brings it down to this basic thought for them. Listen, man, the, the lawless one, the man of sin, the Antichrist, end times, that's going to happen. But you don't need to be concerned about that because you've accepted Jesus and you know the truth. What you need to be concerned about, church, is that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. It's subtle. It, 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 it's happening. And church, I, I need you to hold to the truth to make sure it's not happening in you. That's what Paul's saying. That's going to happen. You don't need to be concerned about that. Here's some things that are going to take place before it happens. We got that out of the way. Here's the more important thing I need to address with you, church, is that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and we need to make sure it's not at work in you. Are you with me this morning? Why, why, why is this so important? Why is it so important that Jesus Christ came to destroy this spirit of lawlessness? Matthew 24, 12, if you want to... Write that verse down. Why is it so important to understand that Christ came to do this work, to save people from sin and destroy a spirit of lawlessness? Listen to Matthew 24, verse 12. And it says this. It says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. Because lawlessness, the fact that people aren't Walking according to the rules, just like it happened with my daughters. Now, you would think they weren't sisters anymore. Right? Because lawlessness, because the, the mystery of lawlessness, because the spirit of lawlessness, it says this, the love of many will grow cold. Why did Jesus Christ come to destroy the spirit of lawlessness? Because is it not through love? that we reach other people for Jesus? Is it not through love that people know that we are Christians? Listen to these verses. You can write these down. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies. Don't you hate this verse? And this is red letter in your Bible. This is Jesus talking. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Say, what? Love your enemies. How many of you guys know that it's easy to love those that are loving you? It's easy to love those that are appreciative of you. It's easy to love those that, that man, treat you well and are kind to you. Man, those people, they're easy to love. But, but God has a plan, and he knows why, because the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world what is it? It's through that love that he reached people. He knows that, and so he's saying, church, it's not enough to love those in the church. It's not even enough to love those outside of the church. Here's who I want you to love. I want you to love those that want to destroy you. I want you to pray for those who persecute you. My wife talked about it last week first part of the letter. 
This is what I want you to do. Why did Jesus Christ come to destroy a spirit of lawlessness? Because lawlessness will increase, the love of many will grow cold. If lawlessness is in us, pretty soon we don't find ourselves loving our enemies and praying for those that persecute us. But yet it's the very job of the church, it's the very job of those that have accepted Jesus Christ in their life to love other people. Look, we don't look any different from anybody else if we just love those that love us. One of the things that sets Christ apart, one of the things that sets Christians apart, those that have accepted Jesus, is that we love even our enemies. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about somebody right now. Now, I know this is going to be a really hard task for you because you're a Christian and you love everybody. But I want you to think about somebody right now that you really, really, really have a strong disliking for. Okay? And don't look around. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see him right now. I'm married to him. No, I'm just kidding. Don't look around. Don't, hey, why are y'all looking at me? Don't look at me. Okay? Think about somebody you have a really strong dislike for. Okay? And think about what it would look like to love them. Think about what it would look like to pray for them. And I know what you're thinking right now. I know what your prayer would be. God, I pray that you would just take them out. God, I pray that you would just, like, like you did in the Bible, God, just smite them. Lord, send an angel of death. No, pray for those that persecute you. Pray kind prayers. Why does Jesus Christ want to take a spirit of lawlessness out? Because if lawlessness is in us, then it's really hard to love. Look at this, look at this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter. The whole chapter, it's a chapter of love. And then it concludes this way. It says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, it's the Bible. That's what it says. But the greatest of these is faith, No. The greatest of these is hope. No. The greatest of these is love. Why does Jesus Christ want to take a spirit of lawlessness out? Why did he come to do that? Because lawlessness, if it abounds, if it increases, the love that you have for others will grow cold. But yet this is the one thing that the Bible tells us will abound. That, that this love is what reaches other people and brings them into the kingdom. Amen. Good point, Pastor. Thank you. I like your new shirt too. Thanks. Listen to John 13, 35. John 13, 35. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Now, let me put it this way. By this, all people will know that you're Christians, that you've accepted Jesus if you have love for one another. Paul is writing and he's saying, guys, look, the man of lawlessness, it's real, it's going to happen. Some call him the Antichrist, the man of sin, but you don't need to worry about that. Here's what's going to happen before Jesus Christ returns, hold on to that. Here's what you need to be concerned about, that the, the, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work trying to distract you, trying to take something out of you. What's it trying to take out of you? It's trying to take the love that you have for other people out of you because it's through that love that people will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Are you with me this morning? Yeah. Church, you're kind of quiet today. If this is your first time to Canvas Church, we, we loud. I haven't, I haven't seen any Shamus yet. 
What does lawlessness look like? Can we just get real practical for a minute? And if you're a note taker, maybe you want to try to jot these down. They're going to be on the screen. What does lawlessness look like? Now, for those of us that, you know, and I use my kids as a, I know as an example a lot. As not, they're amazing children. Um, but I use them because that's the season of life I'm in. Okay? One day, I'll be using my grandchildren. My wife has said I can't use her as an example, so... But man, we're on that vacation and the rules didn't get laid out and chaos is breaking out and it was ugly. And they were at each other, they were at us. But as soon as we roped it all back in and said, hold on, hold on, mom forgot to lay out the rules. <laughs> and I laid out the rules and we got to play. Man, everything was like, oh, this is fun. This is fun. Let's get real practical. What is... What does lawlessness look like? And as we're going through these things, maybe ask yourself, is some of this in me? Is some of this in me? Number one, lawlessness rebels against those God has placed in authority. Lawlessness rebels against those God has placed in authority. Whether that's civil authority, we talked about this a couple weeks back. Whether that's civil authority, uh, whether that's spiritual authority, whether that's a parent, whether that's an employer, whether that's a direct supervisor, okay, lawlessness rebels against those God has placed in authority. Number two, lawlessness fosters a distrust towards leadership. It creates an us versus them mentality. How does this seem? This, this can be seen at your job. Uh, maybe there's a lot of people that are talking about the boss. Now, this would never happen at your job, I know. But let's just say you worked for Canvas Church, okay? Talking about the boss. All of a sudden you find yourself talking about the boss. But then all of a sudden, maybe you're not working at that job anymore and you go to a new job. And now you have an automatic distrust towards that new boss. Even though that boss has done absolutely nothing. What has it done? It's fostered this us versus them mentality. All of us, we really know how to run the company. The boss that started it, making millions of dollars, he really doesn't know what he's doing. Not that you've ever had those conversations. It's getting quiet. Number three, lawlessness. Does this self becomes more important than the community? What's in it for me? What do I get out of it? How does this make me look? Rather than how is this affecting the whole community? Number four, lawlessness is not, uh, it's basically it's not teachable. The person's not teachable. It insists that they're right and everyone else is wrong and doesn't listen. Number five, lawlessness, what does it look like? It will grow resentful and spiteful when confronted. How dare you question me? Lawless person is not open to correction. Once again, whether that's by civil authority, spiritual authority, moms, dads, people that God has placed over us in different fields. Number six, the lawless spirit, that, that mystery of lawlessness, it spreads rumors. It gossips, 
lies against others, especially those in authority. The hum of the fan is getting louder. Number seven, does not like being told no, will skirt the system to accomplish its objectives. Number eight, what does lawlessness look like? May promote a good cause, but will use any means necessary and uh, to justify the ungodly means. Looks like it's a good cause, looks like we're doing something good, but uses these other things to justify what they're doing. Number nine, it's apathetic to any uh, collateral damage it might cause. Stepping on people's toes, running people over, not a big deal. Will boast about its accomplishments while ignoring those who have been wounded. Lastly, looks to receive the praise and the sympathy of others and thrives on receiving that praise. Will seek the praise by putting others down and playing the role of the victim. Those are some good notes right there. Real practical. Paul writes, hey church, that's going to take place. Big picture. But how we're going to get rid of that big picture in you is, is the mystery of lawlessness happening in you. Let's look real practical, which we just did. Are these things happening in our lives as believers? And if so, we need to put the brakes on and say, hold on a second. This is going to quench my love for people. This is going to quench my love for God. And if it quenches my love for God and for people, then I am ineffective as a believer in Jesus Christ. So Christ came to do this work of destroying lawlessness. Now you've got to understand something. Christ laid out. 66 books, and they're all really good. And you got to know something that, that God didn't do this because he's a control freak. God didn't come and, and say, here's the Bible, live by that, I'm a control freak, do it and you'll live, don't and you'll die. He's not like that. He came and he laid out 66 books of the Bible because he loves you so much and cares about you so much that he said, hey, you want to have a good, fulfilling, long, joyful, happy life? You want the game of tips to be really fun and you don't want to bicker and fight? Here's what you got to do. He's a good God. That's why he lays out rules. Listen, I don't lay out rules for my children because I'm a control freak. I lay out rules for my children because I know what's good for them and what's not. When my little, when my little babies, when they first started crawling and, and pulling themselves up on furniture, I didn't go and put the little bumpers around the coffee table because I'm a control freak. I went and put the bumper around the coffee table because I love them so much, I don't want them to get hurt. I didn't go stick those things in the little power outlets because I'm a control freak. Try to stick your finger in there, kid. Ha, 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 ha. No, I put that in there because I know that if they put something in there, it's going to hurt them. I didn't put the little knobby things on all the doors so they couldn't go into rooms they wanted to go into. I put those on there because if I knew they went into that room, there's things in there that can hurt them. 
when God laid out the rules for humanity, when he laid out the Bible for everybody, he did not do it because he's a control freak. He looked at us and said, I love you so much. I want you to have a long, fulfilling, awesome, joyful life. And if you do that, don't open the door. But see, because our view of God is skewed, we see it all, God's just a God of rules. I've never once looked at my parents and said, oh, my, my, my parents are control freaks. They just, they're just the parents of rules. Now, okay, maybe when I was a teenager, a couple times. But you know what I've done since? I've taken those same rules and said, man, they worked for me because I turned out pretty darn good. I said, I'm going to use that for my kids. Know what Paul says? Paul says, hold on to the traditions that we taught you. Hold on to the things that we laid out for you. Because we know what's good for you and what will keep you safe and what will keep you from harm. Listen, I, don't, I know there's some people that they hate the speed limit on the road. But I like it. I wish it was a little bit faster, but I like it. When people are going 85 by me, I'm like, you lawless person. And then I smile when I see them pulled over. Come on, I'm not the only one. Be honest. Aren't you glad there's laws on the road? Why are the laws there? To protect you. See, here, here's the thing. Is, is too many of us, when we, when we don't, walk according to this, too many of us, what we call punishment is actually in reality consequences for our actions. We think we're getting punished. Oh, why is God punishing me like this? He's not. He actually warned you not to do it. He's good. He said, hey, do this. And all of a sudden now we didn't do that and we find ourselves in these situations and circumstances and we think, oh man, God's punishing me. No, no he's not. He's not punishing you. Those are actually just the consequences for your actions that he tried to keep you from. Someone better take notes on that. That was good. We look and we're like, man, God's punishing No. Now if you look back at scripture, he says, do this, live. Don't, it's consequences. You have full ability to choose to do what's wrong. You do. But then when you're living out the consequences, don't go back and point the finger at God. It's good. It's quiet. My staff always tells me, hey, Ben, don't worry about when it's quiet. That means it's really good. So don't say any amens. Shh. Let me close. How do I overcome a spirit of lawlessness in me? The mystery in me. It wants to have its way in my life so that my love for others grows cold. How do I overcome it? Real quickly, number one, hold tightly to the word of God. You know what Paul says? Hey guys, hold on to the traditions that we taught you. Whether when we were present or through a letter, hold on. What Psalm 119 tells us, it's your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
hold tightly to the word of God. If, if, if you don't have a Bible, man, we got some for you. We'll give you one. Man, this right here, man, you want to know how to play tips? Man, read this thing and read it thoroughly. Man, read it all the way through. Continue to read it. And then when, when it looks like, wait a second, I don't know if that, wait, let's go back to the rule book. Come on. How many of you guys ever played a game before? And you're like, wait a second, let's go back to the, let's go back to the rules. Is that, is that right? Man, have that thing with you. Get a pocket-sized one if you want. I got really big pockets. But have that thing with you. What is that? Come on, have your iPhone handy. Download the Bible app. Hold tightly to the Word of God. Number two, walk in humility. Walk in humility. Live your life in humility. Man, those that humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt. James 4, verse 10, in due season. Walk in humility. Walk in humility. Man, be confident, yes, in what Christ has done, but walk in humility. Humility will destroy the spirit of lawlessness every single time. Lastly, serve one another. Serve one another. You mean in this room, oh, I, I can do that. Oh, at church? Yeah, sign me up, pastor. I'm serving kids. Amen. I'll serve, I'll serve at the usher greeter. I'll even help down the lobby today because I know we got to tear down the lobby today because school starts this week. So I'll, I'll stay after today, pastor. If, if my name's Ryan and my name's Eric, I'll stay after today and I'll help, I'll help tear down the lobby, pastor. I'm on it. I'm good, Greg. I'm on it. I'm on it. No, serve one another, meaning everybody. Serve one another. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 as we close. It says, for you, that's you, everyone in this room, we're called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom. What's he talking about? Freedom from what? He's talking about freedom from the lawlessness. He's talking about freedom from sin. You're under a new rule. You're under a new set of laws, and it's, it's freedom in Jesus Christ. And now that you have this freedom, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But through love serve one another. Church, end times are going to happen. Don't be concerned with that. Don't worry about that. A couple of things you need to know. Here's what you need to be concerned about is that the mystery of lawlessness is already at work in church. I need it's not, it's not at work in you. Check yourself. Hold on to the traditions. Hold tight to the truth. Walk in humility and serve one another whenever possible. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.